0: The Right Side with Doug Billings.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome
0: to the set of The Right Side. I'm Doug Billings. Hey, uh, President Trump is the leader of the Republican Party, folks. And as such, it's expected that he would chime in and give his opinion Uh, his critiques and his judgment about who the speaker of the house should be, who he supports, who he doesn't support, et cetera. It's normal. Every president has done that. Every leader of the political party system in America has done that. And that support can be based on multiple factors, whether or not the candidate supported president Trump in his run for the presidency, whether or not said candidates are true American conservatives whether or not said candidates are true, make America great again, candidates, and so forth and so on. So the radical left, because they fear Trump so much, are having conniption fits that Trump has his fingerprints all over the selection process of the Speaker of the House, which, of course, has a majority of Republicans running it. I like it. I mean, I rather enjoy watching liberals have meltdowns over all of this about anything, for that matter. But, folks, this is the way it has always been. The leader of any political party in this country has always had a voice and opinion about who their party elects in various roles. And the way that this process played out, ladies and gentlemen, in the House of the Representatives, the debate and the discussion, that process, it's always been intended to be done within that chamber, just as we've seen it. You have all sorts of people out there, even people on our own side who, are, who, who just don't understand the process. They're clamoring about chaos. Doug, this is terrible. The House of Representatives is in chaos. They've got to get their act together. How embarrassing. And now that we can look back with the advantage of some degree of hindsight, ladies and gentlemen, I want to gently remind those people, on the conservative side especially, that all is well. All is well, folks. This is played out by design, put forth by the founders, and it's been allowed to voice the American people's voices. We've seen the American voice, the people's voice rise up. And the House of Representatives in that chamber especially is where we see the voices of the American people. And to the untrained eye, it can look chaotic and it can look crazy, but it's not. There's a purpose and the reason behind the passion and the debate that you see. It was a good thing that the speakership of Kevin McCarthy was vacated. It was a good thing that eight brave America first MAGA conservatives came forth to make that happen. It was a good thing that there was a robust debate, lots of discussion and multiple candidates to be considered for the speakership. It makes no sense to rush to such an important process. It makes no sense to settle on the first candidate that comes our way. The House of Representatives, my friends, is where more than any other place, the voice of the people is heard amongst the elected class. So what we witnessed over the last several weeks was our voices, sometimes clamoring, sometimes yelling, sometimes begging, sometimes arguing, sometimes conceding, and sometimes compromising. But it was our voice that we witnessed. Now, I want to tell you a few important things about Mike Johnson, just very quickly. First of all, he's the vice chairman of the Republican Conference and he opposed the certification of the 2020 election. Number two, he's against giving any further aid to Ukraine. Number three, he believes that every human baby has the right to live his or her life. Four, he's aligned strongly with President Trump. And number five, he supports putting restrictions on the immorality of the LBGTQ kook community's attack on children. Let me introduce to you Mike Johnson via a video clip of him speaking in committee. It's a short clip, about four minutes long. Take a look.
1: Thank you for yielding, Ms. Tiffany. Look, I just want to point out, um, again, what what, uh, Justice Alito said so well, articulated so well in the Dobbs opinion. Um, He said it is an inescapable conclusion That the right to abortion is not deeply rooted in the nation's history and traditions. On the contrary, he points out an unbroken tradition of prohibiting abortion on pain of criminal punishment persisted from the earliest days of the common law until Roe in 1973. The, The fact is that prior to Roe, our laws in this country did respect and protect the sanctity of human life, and the reason is why. It goes back to our nation's birth certificate, the Declaration of Independence. And this can't be said too often, because it is a simple and profound and important truth, because it helps define who we are as, as a country. In our nation's birth certificate, the famous language in the second paragraph is that we hold these truths to be self-evident. It's a self-evident truth that all men are created equal, not born equal, but created equal by God, by our creator, and that he is the one that gives us our inalienable rights. And among these, are the rights to life, obviously. Uh, liberty and the pursuit of happiness life is listed first listen the founders the the ones who put this country together recognize that life was sacred because it is given to us by our creator by God and they, they recognize that we are indeed made in that creator's image we're made in God's image and because of that every single human person has inestimable dignity and value and your value is not related in any way to the color of your skin or where you went to school what zip code you live in what you do for a living how good looking you are none of that is relevant your value is inherent because it is given to you by your Creator. He's the one that gives us our rights. That first right is the right to life. If you don't have the right to life, you can't pursue liberty, You can't pursue happiness, you can't you can't exercise your freedom if you're not here. And so, it's it's a simple, self-evident truth that the country was built upon, and that's why our nation and its laws respected this under our constitutional tradition until Roe was uh, was hoisted upon the people by a majority of the court. Finally, that egregious error has been overturned. And by the way, no one said it yet, but about 63 million American children were aborted since 1973, January 22nd of 1973, when Roe became the law of the land. It's a profound tragedy. It has impacts on all aspects of public policy and everything about our culture and and all that we know. I mean, we have an aging population here. We don't have able-bodied workers, enough of them in, in the economy to support our you know our our, uh, our programs, Social Security and Medicare, for example. They're they're all scheduled to go bankrupt in less than ten years. Some of them. But why? Because we don't have enough people paying into the system to support those programs. And why is that? Because sixty three million of them were aborted. They're not here. I was born in January of nineteen seventy two, almost exactly one year before Roe v. Wade. And it it, it has dawned on me many times that that number 63 million represents somewhere between one half and one third of my entire generation so my high school graduating class probably should have been at least a third larger than it was maybe maybe more but my colleagues weren't there my friends weren't there my classmates weren't there the ranking member Mr. Nadler said just a few moments ago he gave us a long uh, a long uh, explanation about how you know hey it's murder to kill a baby and that's why uh, originally many years ago he supported the Born Alive Infant Protection Act but uh, he, he does not believe that it's murder to kill that baby if it's nine inches further up the birth canal you know prior to it, right before the prior to its birth the late-term abortion they're okay with that I mean almost every Democrat in the House currently voted for those kinds of policies to allow uh, for abortion on demand up until the moment of birth you have to not let that fact escape you. You have to look at the record of what has been voted on in this House in the last couple of years and recognize that they're on record. So as Mr. Roy, my good friend, said earlier, it is really simple. At the end of the day, we'll, 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 have a, we'll haggle about the rules here. We'll haggle about nuances and in, in language in, in, in these uh, policies, et cetera. But at the end of the day, there's an inescapable conclusion. One side in this country supports and defends and respects and wants to protect the sanctity of human life. And the other side simply doesn't. And um, that is something that is hard to get over.
0: So rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, that we've seen a brilliant system of debate, discussion, passion, compromise, and nomination. And we've seen it work just as intended by our founders. We've seen it work. And the result that we have now is that a true American conservative and make America great again nominee for the United States Speaker of the House has risen through that process. It's not chaos. It's not discombobulation. It's not embarrassing. It's exactly how it should be. Believe it, ladies and gentlemen, for the Republic. Cheers. The Right Side with Doug Billings.